You are listening to the Willpower Podcast. Welcome to the show. I am Will Holdren, and I talk with some of the most influential CEOs, entrepreneurial leaders, and thought leaders to try and reveal the secrets that has led to their success. I believe that with the right knowledge and mindset, you can do anything you set your mind to. So if you want to learn how to change your life for the better, if you want to learn how millionaires actually became wealthy, or if you want to develop and start your own business from the ground up with the right knowledge to help you, then you are in the right place because this is the Willpower Podcast. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, if you have enjoyed an episode, then please, please open up Apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And if you think we deserve it, scroll to the bottom, select write a review, and leave us a five-star rating with a review that states where you are from and one aspect of the show that you love. Once you do that, send me a screenshot and I will feature you on a future show and shout you out on my Instagram that has over 10,000 followers. Now let's get to the show with our newest guest. How's it going, everyone? My name is Will Holdren, and I am the host of the Willpower Podcast. Today, our special guest is Jonathan Spears. And John is the founder of the Spears Group, which is the number one medium-sized real estate team in Florida. And they have done over $1 billion in sales, which is quite the accomplishment. So, John, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Will. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. It's my pleasure. So to start off, I kind of go way back into your childhood a little bit. So can you kind of touch on what your childhood was like and how it kind of affected and made you who you are today? Yeah, so childhood, gosh. Um, that's a fun question. I uh, I grew up in Northwest Florida, so same place that I still am today, which says a lot about the area. Uh, I'm an avid traveler today as well, and so it's nice to be able to still come home. Um, we've got a white sand beaches and was really a resort community. My family was in real estate and development to a certain extent. My dad's a civil engineer. Uh, developed houses as I grew up. I lived in probably 25 different homes uh, between zero and 18. So every couple of years we would be moving or every couple of months we may be moving. Uh, my dad liked to build and sell. And um, that's kind of where I got my real estate itch from just watching him do that for so long. Uh, I've got two siblings. I've got a brother who's five years younger than me. And then I've also got a sister that's 10 years younger than me. So I'm the oldest of three, and my brother works with me at the Spears Group, which is a real estate team here in Florida, um, and we can talk about him later, but he's pretty awesome. awesome. Um, but I, um, I got my start young, too. I was 18 when I first obtained a real estate license, wow. which I remember my mom was like, hey, uh, we're going to sell our house, and if you get a real estate license... Maybe you could pick up a referral fee. And so that's what first started getting my mind kind of geared towards, okay, you know, maybe I could do this. Um, and when I went to college too, I started pretty early. I was 14 when I took my first college classes. It was the first time I had ever really prospected anybody. Um, my mom was, my mom's awesome, by the way. She's definitely a big fan and, um, you know, pushed me in many different ways as a kid. But when I think of childhood and I think about my career today, like how did I start prospecting, um, you know, prospecting the dean of a local community college and convincing them that I was of age to start taking college courses 
through a homeschool program was kind of interesting. So, uh, you know, 14, taking my first college courses, I had to convince the dean of the college to let me test into the college. And there's a, a program in Florida called dual enrollment. So you can enroll in high school as well as college courses at the same time. But the prerequisite is that you be in the 10th grade. And for me, I was coming out of middle school. So eighth grade going into ninth grade. And I was homeschooled at the time. So I let the dean of the college know, hey, listen, I may not be 16, which is a typical age of a 10th grader, uh, but I am at a 10th grade level. And if you let me test into the college, uh, I'd love to start taking courses. And so I uh, was able to test in and the rest is history. That's kind of crazy. That's that's a crazy call. And yeah, in Pennsylvania, we had the same thing. You guys had like the dual enrollment kind of thing. Awesome. So I did that as well, like my junior and senior year. But obviously, I wasn't 14 when I was doing mine. So that's kind of crazy. So I'm kind of curious, like, how did you develop this mindset of like, okay, I'm going to be such a great overachiever. I'm going to do everything I want to do. Because obviously, you get your license at 18, you can college classes at 14, which is insane. Yeah. So where'd you develop that mindset from? That's a great question, too. So when I was younger, I remember, um, you know, being teased at school. And it's one of the reasons that I started homeschooling, like late middle school was just because you know, I didn't necessarily get along with kids my age. Uh, I was overweight. I wasn't real attractive. Uh, in fact, like between the ages of 13 and 14, um, I went through a pretty big weight loss change, which is what really kicked in my drive. Like, okay, hey, you know, let's go from childhood to adulthood. Who do I really want to be? And understanding that and accepting who I was um, was kind of an interesting process for me because I wasn't very accepting at the time. Uh, of, of, you know, this young pudgy kid, you know, that, that just wasn't who I wanted to be. And it's like a light flicked on, um, on in my mind. And, you know, I decided to kick it into high gear. I lost a hundred pounds during that time frame, which was pretty dramatic. Um, and just completely changed my lifestyle, changed my mindset. I was always very entrepreneurial as a kid. So I remember I'd even take like the sodas out of my parents' pantry, which, was probably one of the reasons that I was overweight. <laughs> um, but I would take like drinks and go sell them to construction workers in the neighborhood because of course in Florida and in the summer, it's like a hundred plus degrees, hundred percent humidity. And, you know, I, um, I sought to capitalize on, uh, on that and, you know, just little things, you know, throughout my life, I always really enjoyed business. I enjoyed, um, studying entrepreneurship in college. I enjoyed finance. And so trying to find a great outlet to, you know, express those interests was important. That's awesome, man. That's so cool. You got the entrepreneurial spirit going on early at an early age. And the fact that you lost a hundred pounds like that young, that's, that's insane. That's it's just some serious work ethic and dedication. So congratulations for that. That's awesome. One thing I'd say about that, Will, though, is like when you face adversity, you know, when you've got some type of mountain in front of you, there's nothing more motivating than that mountain. You know, I've listened to, to many different successful people and a very common denominator is turning some type of adversity into a positive driver for you. So even today, you know, I don't wake up and go, you know, I'm the top sales team in Florida. Um, you know, I wake up with a very humble mindset and, yep. you know, focused on serving clients and trying to create some consistency as well as growth at the same time. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a good motivating factor for sure. Yeah. So 
after high school, I mean, did you already graduate high school when you graduated high school? Like, the, or did you graduate college at the same time you graduated high school since you started college, like eighth grade? You will love this. I have never, ever gotten a high school diploma. I don't have, uh, you know, anything to ever say I went to high school. I only have a bachelor's degree and an associate's degree from two different colleges. So no, I never, I never did anything high school wise. I never went to prom. Uh, you know, I never did the traditional high school experience, which, you know, in hindsight, most kids go, oh my God, you missed out. You know, what, what, what happened there? But, you know, I got a four-year jump on life to, to hurl myself into a more professional environment. And, you know, if you dual enrolled, even when you were um, a junior and a senior, I think you learn to mix in with all different kinds of people. Uh, you know, when I started at 14, people used to call me Doogie Hauser in my class. And at 14, I had no idea who Doogie Hauser was. I had to get on YouTube, which those guys didn't know what YouTube was because I was the millennial coming in and shaking up the classroom. But, um, you know, it was funny because everybody wanted me to be on their team or in their projects so that I could, you know, kind of help problem solve through things. And when I say other folks, like my peers in college were much older than me. You know, I had an age range from just coming out of high school, uh, early 20s, all the way up to mid 70s plus people going back to get their education. So it was one of the greatest experiences to intermingle with different uh, profiles of people so that you learned how to deal with different personalities and especially when you have personality conflicts. So I was, I was really thankful to kind of get that early experience and, and just understand how to navigate different groups and appreciate yeah. different groups. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it really can teach you like how to network at an early age as well and connect with people, learn to talk to people and don't be so yeah. shy about it. So definitely a great skill to learn. And so kind of looking back, like on your story, like do you regret not having like more traditional childhood like at all or no Are you happy you went down the path you went down not at all no no and for me like i've never been a very you know traditional person so um you know even prior to that i was always trying to blaze my own trail even you know convincing my parents to let me get out of middle school and homeschool was kind of an interesting feat i was always very headstrong um you know i'd say per persuasive at the time but uh, I think I was just probably obnoxious asking my mom, you know, over and over and over for the same thing. Um, even today, I learn a lot of negotiation techniques from my kids. I've got a three and a half year old and an eight month old. And, you awesome. know, even nonverbal communication from my eight month old is a form of negotiation. You know, when they cry for something, they're negotiating, you know, they're asking. And so it's, um, it's a skill that I've developed over time. And uh, I love watching it in my kids. That's awesome. And it's super cool that you said you don't really regret like not going to normal high school as well and living that normal traditional childhood because I can kind of relate to you. I'm like, I feel like I'm going on the same path as you just like a couple years later, you know what I mean? And yeah, so like yeah. all the people around me like, yeah, let's go to parties. Like, fine. like, like, no, like I want to try to get my business life intact. I want to start going towards my future. You know what I mean? I trying to graduate as early as possible. And I see a lot of the same things in your story as well, where you, you focus on your business life and you're trying to make sure that you set up in the best position possible so you were successful and now look at you you got the number one medium-sized team in, in, in florida so that's that's awesome to see but yeah no i appreciate it that's super cool so at what point did you jump into real estate like directly after college did you decide okay i'm gonna start my own brokerage or at what point did all that stuff happen yeah so just before i turned 18 um you know, I had an opportunity to get a real estate license. And, you know, it's interesting. My mom, she's the one who kind of pushed me into it at first. And I say push, she just suggested. 
you know, in business school, they taught you the real estate agents were like the dirt on the bottom of your shoe. You know, it just was not a well-respected profession. And, um, you know, living in a resort town, there's really not much of a corporate environment. And when you go to college, you're instilled more um, of a systemic um, type of business learning. Typically, if you're going down a, a, a very middle of the road route, I am extremely entrepreneurial. I love different businesses. And I did love real estate. I still do. I'm obsessed with it. My wife always tells me, quit talking about it. You're driving me crazy. Um, but, you know, it was nice to, to, to see an opportunity where, you know, two decades ago, the real estate agent looked very different to the real estate agent today. Even think back to 2007 when we got iPhones, right? Like before that, the BlackBerry, a Palm Pilot. I remember I had a Palm Pilot going into college and i thought i was the coolest guy in the classroom <laughs> which i worked to to purchase my parents didn't buy that for me i worked to purchase you know washing cars and i used to go door knock you know trying to get people to let me wash their car mostly retirees who couldn't get out in the 100 degree weather to do it but um you know it's interesting to look back on how technology's changed our profession today but it was also a similar time frame to when like the million dollar listing series came out. And, you know, it, it sort of glamorized what is actually a very difficult and um, a tough business. And it also created a, a perception from the consumer that, you know, maybe we want somebody younger and more aggressive that's representing us. Whereas before it used to be, you know, we, we want a wise old, um, and I, I say that in a very broad sense, but somebody who's been in the business for for a number of years, accumulated great success to represent us. And um, I was able to be an aggressive, uh, young voice in my local market, going after business that, you know, I could respond faster. I, I had a, a tools in my tool belt that I was using that others were not. So it gave me a leg up and an advantage when I first started my career at 18. That's awesome. And yeah, I, I can definitely see that happening because I think the average age of like a realtor is like 60 or something like that. Like it's up there, you know what I mean? And so definitely the, like the number one complaint too is like realtors don't really reply fast or no. com communicate well. And so yeah. like at a young age, like you said, like we're on our phones 24 seven, so we know how to reply pretty fast. So I can definitely see that. So yeah. what was the first brokerage that you joined as a realtor? And then like at what point did you split off and make your own brokerage? Yeah, so I first started the business with a um, foreclosure firm because at the time I got my real estate license in 2010, which for Florida, 2010 was still, you know, bitter part of the recession. Uh, we had an oil spill that was pretty detrimental to tourism in our area. Uh, it never actually affected our beaches to the extent that the media portrayed. However, uh, the damage was already done, right? From the perspective of somebody coming here, investing here, uh, it was a new element of volatility that we had not experienced prior. It was also probably the worst possible timing to get into real estate because there was nothing transacting. Um, I think the top agent in the market in 2010 did maybe 30 million in business. Um, whereas today, you know, my team's closed over 300 million year to date as a market leader. So 10 times more business is being transacted. And that's just in the first eight months of this year. Um, so the market was just in a very different place. So I saw opportunity or was very fortunate to have an opportunity to work as an assistant under somebody who was actually transacting. So I was able to learn a good bit of problem solving, working with foreclosures, HUD houses. I mean, this was before DocuSign, like 
you know, the federal government require blue signatures, wet signatures on all documents. And so today, you know, if we had to chase our clients around to get blue signatures um, on each piece of paper and the exact spot that it's supposed to go, you know, less deals would get done. So again, you know, technology's changed a lot, but uh, my start was with a small boutique firm um, and, you know, just understanding the business from a very holistic standpoint. Gotcha. So how, how long were you with this boutique firm? Five years. So Five years. we were, I was with them from 2010 to 2015. The first two years I worked as an assistant and um, I was really working doing broker price opinions for banks. And that was an incredible experience because it gave me a, a geographic knowledge of the area that um, I wouldn't have had otherwise. You know, I grew up here, uh, lived all over the place, but still, um, you know, being able to put together price opinions for a bank that, uh, you know, I would have never looked twice at the houses I was originally valuating. Um, it gave me a lot of intense market information. Yeah, that is such a good skill to have too on top of that. So that is awesome. So when you were actually acting as an agent for this boutique firm, like the later three years of that five year span, yeah. how long did it take you before you got like your first transaction? Like, did you, how fast did you grow as an agent doing deals and stuff? Well, I was still the mindset that this was a stepping stone business. You know, it wasn't necessarily a career for me when I first started. Um, it was just a way to start collecting a paycheck so I could turn that into a more of an investment. So when I was 18, um, I was still finishing up college, uh, getting a business degree. I wanted to get into international business in particular because I enjoyed, um, you know, more of a, a, a broad perspective and um, finance in particular was was my interest. Uh, but as I started working real estate, I started to see opportunities of how I could capitalize and monetize on my youth and the ability to handle uh, a high level of transactions in terms of frequency was unique. You know, a lot of top agents in the market, especially in the luxury field, they focus on, um, you know, a much higher price point and a lower frequency of transaction. And so it's a relationship game. I kind of took that and, and modified that business model. Uh, I always say on steroids because we're able to do the same thing, focusing on a high average price point, but we're doing, a couple hundred transactions per year. So with, with a very efficient team and uh, that, that drives profitability. And so for me, coming from a finance world, looking at balance sheets and, and really enjoying the numbers aspect of it, uh, you know, I was able to kind of parlay that into my business. And when I was working for the foreclosure firm, I started to really revolve towards the luxury side of the business where my hot sheet is and the hot sheet is like your daily uh update of new properties that come on the market um we call it a hot sheet because they're hot off the press but um my hot sheet was revolving from top to bottom so i'd sort things from a price point where i was seeing what's transacting at the top of the market you know what's where's that million dollar plus um market moving and then i'd start my way down but i was always most interested in more expensive properties just naturally you know, we talked about childhood. If you were to ask my parents, what was I like as a child? They'd probably say, uh, he drove me a little crazy. Every time we go to a restaurant, he wants to order lobster and caviar and we're all over here eating hamburger. So like just naturally my, my, um, you know, my personality gravitates towards the high end. Um, the other thing that I studied in college was hospitality and understanding what is great service. 
Uh, you know, my wife and I love a, an incredible five-star hotel. And, you know, we always find ourselves when we travel at, at different world-class properties and really trying to soak in the level of service they provide, uh, just naturally being curious about it um, and enjoying it and trying to parlay that into the business that we have at Spears Group. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, you got to live life to the fullest, you know, and I'm glad to see your finance background helped you out because that's my major as well in college finance. So yeah, I love to help. Um, so after those five years at that boutique firm, is that when you started your own brokerage and the Spears group right after that? Yeah. So we're actually at Sotheby's International Realty. So I've got basically a brokerage within a brokerage. And, um, you know, I switched to a team model after realizing that I can only do so much. Uh, you know, I, I had moved brokerages in 2015 to Sotheby's International Realty and uh, have been there since and founded Spears Group in 2017 after I found out we were having our first child. So my wife and I, um, you know, I, I just realized I can't devote time to my children while trying to grow my business in the same way. I need to leverage other people. And being able to delegate is probably the biggest aspect of building a team. Uh, you could ask all of my assistants now, <laughs> what's, what's one common denominator that describes me? And I think they'd all probably jump to control freak. Uh, and I'm sure most of the listeners can relate. You know, we, we always do it best, right? Like nobody can do it better than we can. But um, in order to grow a team, in order to scale a business, your ability to delegate is the difference between success and failure. And so for me, even today, you know, delegation is everything, especially as you create a hierarchy of a team. Not only do you need to be able to delegate, but you have to teach others how to delegate as well. That leadership always comes from the top. Absolutely. So how many people do you have in your team right now? So we've got seven full-time agents um, as well as myself. And then I've got three assistants We've got a full-time uh, PR manager and public relations, marketing, as well as social media. So we've got a team of 14 total. That's awesome. Congratulations. And so going off the whole delegation topic, because that is so huge and so crucial, just like you said, to scale or grow any business really in the entrepreneurship world. Yeah. So how do you decide like what to delegate and what you can do by yourself? Like, what, what's the decision-making process for that? I think the fastest way to figure out, hey, what what can I delegate is what am I not great at? You know, for me, when I hired my first assistant, it was what am I not? I'm not great at organizing, you know, all the background paperwork. And, um, you know, I love writing my own contracts. It's not that I'm not detail oriented. It's just, you know, where do those go? You know, what's a system and process I can create to streamline that? Um, you know, we talked earlier about the differences in an agent today versus 20 years ago, you know, DocuSign, mobile uh, communication, Instagram, Facebook, social media. I mean, all of those aspects of our business, when used in correct processes, allow us to grow. And so not only do I focus on trying to figure out how to delegate and delegate well to the things that I'm not great at, but also how can I delegate to somebody who can create a system and process so that what we're doing successfully can be replicated not just in my business, but in my different team members' businesses as well. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, systems and processes are huge. So that, that brings me to the next point, Ashley. So what are some systems and processes that you have in your business now that you kind of didn't start out with, that you grew into kind of as you got bigger as an agent and started your own spiritual group? Like what are some of those systems? We actually have a really unique team. So 
Um, I mentioned earlier, my brother works with me. I started off trying to build a team that uh, was segregated to a certain aspect. So in, in terms of their function, right? Uh, if you were to look at a football team, there's a quarterback, you have offensive linemen, you have the defense, right? Like everybody has a specific purpose. Um, with our agents in particular, I try to give them a lot of autonomy with working buyers versus sellers. I know some teams will have buyers agents specifically and sellers agents specifically. I encourage my team members to, to have skills on both sides of the fence. Um, and then we really want to bring in a massive level of support, both from a marketing standpoint, uh, as well as just a service standpoint, so that we can support our agents in their transactions. And then I think for me, you know, the, the most unique part of our team and, and a, a system that we grew into um, was also a function of trying to learn my weaknesses, right? So I don't necessarily enjoy managing people. You know, I'm, I'm out there managing relationships from um, a production standpoint. And so uh, I enjoy our team members more so on a personal level. But from a business standpoint, I was able to hire a CEO that actually runs my company. So the communication daily between um, our staff versus uh, our agents, I've got a bridge uh, in that gap in particular. And so it really was a game changer for our business and, and, um, and the way that we were growing uh, based on having that, that, that middleman of sorts. And I know it's interesting too, because we're, we're all middlemen in the brokerage business, but within an internal aspect, you know, having somebody that can be the glue that holds things together is really important. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so going off of that, like, are you still currently hiring new agents consistently or are you just content with the seven? Are you trying to still grow, grow that out? We're always looking for growth. And I think our business model is more of a flight to quality. Uh, you know, we're focused definitely on the quality aspects as opposed to quantity. So it's why we haven't grown, um, you know, exponentially yet. But uh, as, we, as we refine our systems and processes, we can develop quality. So we don't usually hire new agents, but uh, we did take a chance on one, um, I call him uh, my bright young star, but he's incredible. His name's Brandon Zellers and new to the real estate business. Uh, we brought him on Spears Group and I've just been very excited to watch him grow and see his success. I think he'll cross 50 million this year in closed sales volume as an individual agent, which is ecstatic, but it's also a testament to the systems and processes that we've created at Spears Group and how they can be applied in um, you know, a way that ultimately re creates real money. You know, we're in this business to, to not only cash paychecks, but develop meaningful relationships and to do what we love. So that's something that we're just continuing continuously focused on at Spears Group. Yeah, that's super cool. And so obviously like you've done really well as an agent and as leading your, your brokerage within a brokerage. And yeah. so I'm kind of curious, like for a new agent just entering the field, like what are some of the top things that they should be doing yeah. to be successful in the long run, to be in a position where you're at hopefully one day? Yeah, of course. So I think for me, you know, a vital part of my success was nestling up under a top agent that knew what they were doing. You know, like you don't learn real estate and create bad habits unless you learn real estate the wrong way. That was something that I appreciated about bringing Brandon on board. And even my brother, when he first started with me, is they were fresh. You know, there's no bad habits already created. And um, I had to kind of learn the ropes in a little bit more of a blunt manner when I was starting out. 
but being underneath somebody else really gave me so much guidance and mentorship. I think if you're a new agent, you want to get into the business, find somebody that you respect and, um, you know, create value. I think right now, you know, real estate's a, um, it's on fire. And so in every market in the U.S., uh, especially with the tough jobs market, um, folks are always looking, how do I earn more money? And, you know, and real estate seems to be an easy way in. I think once you dedicate yourself to, to you know, being willing to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, find somebody that you respect in that business who's well-respected in the community and bring them value. Figure out how, how can I work under them? What can I do to, to you know, get on their team? And ultimately that knowledge that you gain, even if you're not making a penny, you're getting an education that you can parlay and monetize later down in your career. And that's something that I did when I first worked for um, the brokerage firm in 2010, I was on a $400 per week fixed salary working 80 hours a week. And I did that for two years. So I'd get in the office at 7 a.m. and I wouldn't leave till 9, 10 o'clock at night, 12, 13, 14 hour days. Uh, I had no life. And, you know, you asked me earlier, do you miss um, not having a life in high school? Thankfully, I was used to not having a life and, and having that work ethic. But real estate is as simple as that. You know, work ethic, attention to detail, and making sure you know your business is going to create a recipe for success no matter where you are. Absolutely. Or how old you are. Yeah, the grind is real, that's for sure. Yeah, and I love what you said about mentorship. Yeah. I always I always ask that question and I feel like mentorship is so overlooked. Like, like, just like you said, like if you find that right person that can fast track your life, like a couple of years, you know what I mean? Yes. Of knowledge that inside information that you can just yeah. go right to the top once you have someone that can help take you there. So that is such a key piece of information right there. Um, so I love that. And so another thing that you mentioned earlier is that you guys are really good at getting frequency and a high volume of like high price houses that you guys sell instead of just doing high price houses, but lower frequency. So how are you guys able to do that? Because obviously it's not easy to do. So what are some of the things you do? Is it mainly because of your social media presence? Yeah. What you're doing marketing wise, or how are you guys able to get that in place? Yeah. So I think frequency comes from systems and processes, right? Like if you're a great golfer, it doesn't mean that you just had one great shot or one hole in one, you become a great golfer on every aspect of the course. I think that that's how we've looked at, at our real estate sales process is how do we become great at every part of the process? You know, real estate is, <laughs> it's so vast. You know, if I, if I were just looking at the listing side of real estate, which is the side I focus on most, um, you know, being able to acquire a seller, prospect the seller, bring their home to market, make sure you've got the right team in place to get that property across the finish line from a sales standpoint, not only engaging a buyer, but negotiating a contract. I mean, all of those different skill sets are so, so, so important. I think covering our bases from top to bottom in every aspect and knowing our business is what sets us apart from the rest and is what's set us up for monumental success versus something more average and subpar. That's awesome. And obviously, yeah, that's, that's worked so far. So it's going to continue to work in the future as well. Um, so before we run out of time, I just have one more question for you. Yeah, kind of at your future, like in the next five years, like what are some of your big goals that you guys want to get accomplished as a business and personally? Yeah, so I think continued growth is so important. Um, for us, we're in a second home market. We serve so many other different markets in the United States through the referral aspect, especially through the Sotheby's brand. 
But I think in particular with our roots here, we'd like to be rooted in other markets. Uh, I spent a lot of time in Colorado and we've got a great team there that we work with that, um, you know, from a development standpoint, from a rental standpoint, uh, it's been a really fun place to grow. And so I'd love to see Spears Group in other markets, which is also a way to continue to leverage other people. And just to kind of circle back to my earlier comments with leveraging other folks, I'm not talking about finding a bunch of assistants that you shove tasks onto because you don't want to do them. Uh, I'm talking about finding somebody that complements you, somebody that will work just as hard as you do, and somebody that you can find a partnership with. So there's a symbiotic level of value that you bring each other. It's not, hey, go do this or go do that so that I can, you know, free up my time. It's how can we support each other and, you know, what are you good at that I'm not? You know, how can I, um, how can I leverage you while you leverage me for a, a better success uh, as a whole? Absolutely. So going off that, like, what markets are you guys in right now? So right now we're in Destin, Florida. We're in Santa Rosa Beach, which is uh, a market called 30A. And those are the primary two markets that we serve. Uh, but we're also in Vail, Colorado, Beaver Creek, Colorado, and, um, you know, enjoy that, that mountain market as well. And we're sending referrals all over the country. So from, you know, New York City to South Florida, uh, all over Texas, Texas is such a huge feeder market, Nashville. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty large web. So um, awesome. we're very grateful. That's awesome. Very cool. So before we head off, is there anything else you would like to say? And if people want to reach out to you, how can they find you? Yeah, so you can find me. I'm most active on Instagram, uh, Jonathan M. Spears. So M like Michael and uh, at Spears Group on Instagram. Um, and, I, you know, just for anybody out there who's looking to get into the business, don't give up on your work ethic. Don't quit because it's hard. Don't quit because <clears throat> somebody tells you you can't do something. I remember <clears throat> I used to get people who'd say, oh my God, you look like you're 12. You know, how are you going to show this property to me? And I'd start getting that consistently. Like I remember one lady I'd shown up to a house and they said, hey, did you just come from like a high school class? You know, what, what's going on? And I was obviously very young, but I started to turn those objections into positives. Like, of course I'm young, you know, like I'm young enough to be your son, right? You know, like stuff that, you know, creates more uh, relativity versus, um, you know, putting an objection in between us. So focus on turning any type of negative into a positive. Use those obstacles in your life to drive you to overcome them and become bigger than them. And you're going to go very far. I love it. Those are some good words of wisdom right there. <laughs> All right, guys, there you have it. Jonathan Spears, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Will, thank you. I really appreciate it. No way that we go is a one-way street. Nothing that we love is a one-day key. And if we gon' do it, we gon' do this now. And if we say we gonna, we gon' hold it.